All right. Hey, I'm so glad to be able to speak to you tonight. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I love you guys. And just so you know how much I love you, uh, I take four weeks off every summer. Uh, it's not like really a vacation. I, I mean, I do some vacation time in this four weeks, but I spend a lot of time praying and spending time with God and really mapping out what I'll teach on for the next year. And so they're really, other than spending time with my family and spending time with God in his word, I have no other meetings for an entire month, no physical appointments with anybody other than my family for a whole month except for you. You're the only people that I'm spending time with this month. That's it. I love you. So I just want you to know, I, and I'm, no one else am I spending time with but you, and I'm so glad. I'm, I'm just watching you sing and um, being able to worship alongside you is so good, so good for me. And I'm going to share something tonight. Some of you asked, hey, are you doing the sin talk? Congratulations, Eric. You came to talk to us about sin. Are you doing the sin talk? I guess you've kind of known that you're, wa you're walking through the book of Daniel, right? Do you know that? Okay. All right. So we're in Daniel 4, and I'm going to read a passage in Daniel 4, but it's going to take me a little bit of time to set up to where we're going to be, because I am going to talk about, about sin. It's the, the, the overall theme of what Hume Lake has said, hey, here's what we teach, and this is the night of sin. You may wonder, what some of you haven't heard of the word sin, or, or maybe you, you've heard it a whole bunch. Maybe you grew up hearing it a bunch, but I think... Um, if you really will press in tonight, I think you'll have a, a new understanding about who you are and about what God desires for you. I think you'll even understand how you fit into his story. I think you'll understand what on earth does Daniel chapter 4 and this king called Nebuchadnezzar, why is that in the Bible and what does it have to do with me? I think, I think, if you'll, I think this will be super helpful for you. And Because here's the reality, every one of you, I mean, no matter what your background has been, God planned exactly when you would be born, and he planned all the steps of your life. He created you exactly as you are, and he loves you. He loves you more than you could ever fathom, more than anyone's ever loved you, more than you've ever thought somebody can love you. And I know for some, you know that. For others, you've heard that. For, for some, it hasn't really sunk in. But no matter if your parents planned you or your parents didn't plan you, God planned you exactly when. Am I okay? Am I standing in the right place and get a little feet? Am I not putting it up high enough? Tell me what to do. Right here? Okay. Um, <clears throat> God planned you. So I, I, I was a youth pastor for many years and I uh, saw oftentimes students wrestle with wondering if why they were here. One time I took a bunch of teenagers uh, on a global mission trip to Argentina. And because they were teenagers and they, uh, some of them didn't have their license, if you didn't have your driver's license, your parents had to come and bring your, your birth certificate and sign an affidavit that you could travel uh, to Argentina with me. And so this one kid, um, Carlos was his name, he was in line and I could tell he was embarrassed because as he got there, and there was a long line of teenagers, this person doing a notary public and, and signing this affidavit that you're okay to travel. I, his mom had his birth certificate, and he stepped out of line, and he got emotional because on his birth certificate was his mom's name, but no dad's name. And so I stepped out and talked to him, and he was, he was like, man, I'm so, I'm so embarrassed. Everyone else has a dad's name on their birth certificate. I have no idea who my dad is, and I'm in line, and everyone's going to know. Everyone's going to know that about me. And I, I told him, and maybe some of you have a similar background, 
hey man, you may not know who your dad is, but your heavenly dad, your heavenly father planned exactly your whole life and when you would enter the scene. Some of you, you have parents who planned you. And when you were born, there was like balloons and celebrations. Some of you, you were like, oops, we didn't know that was going to happen. My wife was an oops. She's like one of five. Um, and, and she knew she was an oops, but she didn't know how bad. So we started dating in college. Um, my sophomore year of college, my wife Kay's freshman year of college. Um, I go home to visit her parents for the first time. She's one of five. I walk in. She grew up in this, this uh, small house in North Louisiana, one of five, 1,200 square feet home. They, they had like one bathroom they all shared. It was like really, uh, this really small, small house in the woods is where she lived. And there, um, there, there's these two massive picture frames on the wall right when you walk in. Like there's this small living room and there's two frames. And she's been telling me, I haven't met her family yet, that she's one of five. And there's two frames and there's two kids, baby pictures, in each frame. I'm looking at the frame, I'm like, I just, I, once it goes in my head, I've, I've never been able to not say it. So it just comes out. I say, which one's you? And then she realizes, I guess she hadn't noticed, I don't even know how she hasn't noticed, that there's no picture of her. <laughs> she was such an oops that the family had pictures of the other kids, but no picture of my wife hanging on the wall. And so her mom was like, this is, I know it was kind of sad. This, Kay's mom was like, this is who you brought home? This is who you brought home? But the reason Kay didn't notice is because her parents loved her so much, so it didn't, ma it didn't matter to her because she was well-loved. So for some, you were an oops. For some, your parents planned you. For some, you're like the kid, Carlos, in the line with me on the way to Argentina, and you have wondered, why am I even here? And so I want to tell you, we're going to get to Nebuchadnezzar, but I want to talk to you about several different kings, three different kings, and Nebuchadnezzar is one of those kings and how you fit into this, all right? So you were created by God, and he actually, his whole design for you from the beginning is that everything he gave you, you would steward it and care for it as a, as a king, but not a king for your own sake, but you would be a king under his rule. So here's what we're going to talk about. Here's the first slide, and I'm going to share this with you. So there's really two ways for you to live. A king instead of Christ as your king. So this is the, the, the way the world lives. I'm the king. I'm the king of my life. I do what I want to do. I listen to what I want to listen to. I go where I want to go. I date who I want to date. I set the plans for my college. I set the plans for my life. I'm the king of my life. That's one way to live. A lot of people live that way. Or a king with Christ as your king, meaning you were given everything that you have. Like he chose exactly where you would live, the gifts you have. Some of you are great at sports, some of you are great at academics, some of you are great with people, some of you are great with technology. He gave all of that to you, and you're going to steward it really well. You're going to be a king over this, but not a king for your own sake, a king under Christ as your king. Do you understand the difference? So one way to live, I'm the king for me. Another way to live, everything he gave me, I'm going to be a king over, but I'm really doing it because he's the ultimate king. Okay, now keep that in mind as I tell you about these three different kings, and the middle one's going to be about Nebuchadnezzar. So the first time you see people being given responsibility, essentially being kings, is Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. So I told you this is going to help you understand the whole Bible. So if you're new to studying the Bible... 
you're reading the book of Daniel, which is at the end of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is before Jesus gets here, all right? The Old Testament opens in the book of Genesis. So the very first book in the Bible, the Bible, 66 different books, but one story, all right? The first book is the book of Genesis. Genesis means beginnings. So Genesis is the beginning. It's the beginning of you. It's how you began. It's the beginning of everything, okay? And so it actually opens that way. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so in the beginning, God created people. He created us. The very first people he created, their names are Adam and Eve. He puts them in a garden. This is in Genesis chapter 2. And he says, work the garden and watch over it. Essentially, be kings over the garden. So be a king with God, with Christ as your king. But Satan, Genesis chapter 3, we're all, this is, this is, I want you to see when we talk about sin. Um, this is the whole Bible, right? Sin happens right, right here, right here. Our whole story is jacked up because we messed up early in the story. Because in Genesis chapter 3, Satan went to Adam and Eve and said, you don't want, you don't want God as your king. He said, don't eat from that tree. If you eat from that tree, you'll be able to see like God. Essentially, you'll be able to be your own king. You'll be able to decide what's good for you. You'll be able to decide what's best for your life. Don't you want to be your own king? And that's when Adam and Eve sinned. That's when sin entered the world. And everyone since then, every single person since then, except Jesus when he came here, every single person since then has said, I've said it too, I want to be the king of this decision. I want to be my own king. Every one of us have, have sinned, all of us. So then the Bible keeps going, all right? And you get to a, just a whole bunch of us messing up over and over again, constantly sinning. And when Adam and Eve first sinned, um, sin entered the world and they saw that they were naked. They saw how embarrassed they were and they grabbed fig leaves and tried to cover themselves up, but they still were. And then God was so good to them that God killed an animal in the garden, took the skins from the animal and made clothes for Adam and Eve. Because even though they sinned, God still was loving them, which we'll talk more about tomorrow night. Okay, so the first king, I told you three kings. I'm gonna go real fast. You're listening real fast? All right, first king, Adam and Eve, they, they did it the second way. They said, we're gonna be the king. We wanna be the king. Then you keep reading and then you get to, um, well, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you about the story in Daniel chapter four. All right, so... I'm assuming you've kind of been paying attention so far. Daniel and his friends, they are from Israel, but where are they living right now? Babylon. They're in Babylon. All right, so Babylon is not the people of God. Israel worshiped Yahweh, the people of God. Babylon, <clears throat> not the people of God. Who was the king of Babylon? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Um, I'm impressed that you can say his name. It's a really long name. If you, if you get confused, just say Nebi, King Nebi. So Nebuchadnezzar was the king. Now, he went to Israel and dragged those people into Babylonian captivity, but yet he's the king. And the Babylonian kingdom, perhaps if you study history, some of you have already hit this in, in world history, you've heard of the, the hanging gardens of, that's this, this is Babylon, massive kingdom. Some say, like if you watch the History Channel, if you do a podcast on Babylon, um, you will hear people talk about this, some believe was the most glorious kingdom 
the world had ever seen. This is before Rome. Some say now the Roman kingdom was the most glorious, but some say the Babylonian kingdom, just amazing. Beautiful gardens, lush. I mean, people just said this kingdom was incredible. Nebuchadnezzar, he's dominating all these other people groups, bringing them into Babylon. So he thinks he's awesome. He is a king instead of Christ as his king. He's got, he's got everything. So in Daniel chapter 4, which is where I, I'm going to sum it up. It's a really long chapter. In Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. Scares the, I mean, just scares him so much that he asks for the best person in the kingdom who can interpret dreams, which is Daniel. And he brings Daniel to him and he says, here's my dream. In the middle of the night, this is the dream that I had, and it scared me. Massive tree. The tree was so incredible that no matter where you stood on the earth, you could look and see the tree. Massive tree. And everybody came to this tree and ate from this tree. Birds of the air and beasts of the field and people, like everybody just came to this tree. But then an axe chopped the tree down, and I woke up terrified. Dan, and, I, and no one can interpret the dream. What does this dream mean? So Daniel says, here's what the dream means. Nebuchadnezzar, you are that tree. Your kingdom, Babylon, look around. Look what you've done. This Babylonian kingdom is awesome. People come from all over to eat from the fruit of your tree. People come all over the world to this place. Your kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom, helps other kingdoms. You dominate other kingdoms, but your kingdom is huge. So Nebuchadnezzar's liking the dream so far. But then the tree gets stumped down and your kingdom, you, Nebuchadnezzar, God is going to chop you down. Like your dream was an ax? Now imagine being Daniel. The king's asking you the interpretation of the dream. Daniel is, he actually, you're going to see if you read Daniel 4, he actually loves the king. He's like, I got to tell you the truth about what the dream means and I, I hope and pray that you'll turn away from sin. I hope and pray that you'll realize that everything you have is a gift from God. But you're going to be chopped down. Because you have been a king instead of Christ as your king. And so, um, actually, let's look at this one passage in Daniel chapter uh, 4. So Daniel tells King Nebuchadnezzar this. So here's my advice, and I hope it seems good to you my king. So even though God is Daniel's king, he's, uh, he's living in this Babylonian kingdom. He's like, you're, you're the king here. And I, this, is, this is the advice. And I hope it is good to you, my king. Separate yourself from your sins. So some of you have thought sins is like, man, it's the bad things I do. It's when I disobeyed my parents. That's part of it. It's when I looked at something I shouldn't look at on TikTok. That's part of it. But really sin, here's what it really is. You choosing to be king of your own life. Sin is you saying, I want to be the king. So King Nebuchadnezzar, separate yourself from your sins by doing what is right and from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. Perhaps there will be an extension of your prosperity. Well, um, Nebuchadnezzar still insists that he's the king. And if you keep reading Daniel chapter four, he lives as a wild beast. Like it's crazy. He, he, he eats the grass from the ground. 
And, and some scholars are like, oh, that's just imagery. He probably just went, and went crazy and wanted to do that. Others say, no, he actually ate the grass. No, whichever view you have, that's what you being your own king does. It causes you to not really enjoy life. It causes you to not have joy. You've seen this. Listen, some of you have gone down um, places in your own mind that you never thought you would go. How do I know? I just finished leading a group of high school guys. I had them for four years. Their freshman year, their freshman year was um, COVID. And so spring, March of their freshman year, some of you are just finished your freshman year. Some of you going into your freshman year. March of their freshman year is when the world shut down. Several of them told me it, it wasn't being um, out of school. It wasn't like things being shut down. Because my teachers at first weren't assigning homework, you know, via Zoom school, I just spent eight and ten hours a day scrolling TikTok. And my mind saw things, and I went to places I never thought I would go. I had, I had one guy in my group. He said, this is like three years later. My sleep habits still haven't gotten back to normal. So can somebody go so far down that it affects them that much? Yeah, totally. You consume your mind with things that are not of God, and it totally affects you. It's not just social media. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar didn't have social media. But this is what happens when you keep saying to yourself, I'm the king, I'm the king, I'm the king. You degenerate so far that you eat things that don't really satisfy you. Nebuchadnezzar eats the grass. We eat things of the world that don't really satisfy us. So at the very end of Daniel 4, God shows mercy to Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar says, I now see that God is the one who gives kingdoms. God is the one who's in charge. Now, some people say Nebuchadnezzar um, became a Christian or essentially started fearing God. Others say, no, it's kind of like um, you'll see a famous musician at the Grammys, um, like, man, I, just, I give my props to God right after dropping a bunch of F-bombs in a rap song. Give my props to God. Like, some... Some believe that's like Nebuchadnezzar, like, what's up, God? Like, like he gave me the kingdom. Like, I don't want to be a wild beast again. That he wasn't really converted. He just, like, giving God his props. Which I played um, sports in, in high school, uh, football and, and basketball mainly. And I grew up in the New Orleans area. And so it was an, a public school, but every coach would say the Lord's Prayer. But it was, hor it was horrible. It was horrible. It would literally be like the coaches would be like, get that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I mean, it, so it was like giving props to God, but not really from a place that this is my king. You, you understand the difference? So again, look at this. So let's go back to the first slide real fast. And then I'm going to give you, I'm going to talk to you about one more king. And then I'm going to ask you to think about you. So two ways to live. A king instead of Christ is your king. Like, I'm the king. And that was Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to be cut down. And he was, because the Bible is very honest that the wages of sin is death. There is a way that seems right to a man, Proverbs 14, 12, in the end it leads to death, that when you sin, you die. Now, we all are going to die physically because sin entered this world, but when we sin, we die now. Like we die, our relationships die, our joy dies, our happiness dies. Things die in our lives when we live with ourselves as, as king. Okay, so Daniel was from 
Israel living in Babylon. Do you remember who the very famous king of Israel was? David. David was the most famous king of Israel. And David, so I, don't, I want you, because some people could read about Nebuchadnezzar and be like, oh, of course he sinned, he's from Babylon. But the most, most famous king in Israel from God's people, he sinned too. His name was David. And David sinned. This was a, a, he was called in the Bible a man after God's own heart. But David, even though David was a king who God put, who was a king who feared God, David, his heart got out of shape and he sinned. In fact, it's, the story is crazy if you want to read in the Bible later, 2 Samuel 11. In 2 Samuel 11, David has an adultery with a woman who's married. Her name is Bathsheba. Um, to cover it up, he has Uriah, her husband, killed by putting him in the front line of the battle. And then he does this elaborate, massive cover-up and lies about it. I mean, this was a man after God's own heart who had a season where he said, I'm going to be the king over my own life. But then he was confronted. So just like Daniel confronted Nebuchadnezzar, God sent a prophet named Samuel to confront David. And see, hopefully today for me, for you, if you're being confronted right now through me, it's only because God loves you. So right now, if you're like, man, maybe I'm living with myself as king. I'm kind of like that prophet for you. And if you feel that, it's because God is after your heart because he wants you. So God sent a prophet to All right, thank you, Tammy. Okay, so God sent a prophet to um, Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel. He sent a prophet to David, Samuel, and maybe I'll be that for you. But let me show you, let me show you David's sin. So after the prophet went to um, David, here's what David, here's what David said. And I'm going to show you what sin really is. This is Psalm 51. I think we have a slide of Psalm 51. It's the last verses. All right, so this is what David's praying. And I, I, I put three words up because, again, I want you, I want to, this is the sin talk. I want you to know what sin really is. All right, so will you read this with me aloud? This is David praying to God. Be gracious to me, God, according to your unfailing love. I'm sorry. I'm, I messed it up. I me Let's start over. I messed it up. That's my old. All right, here we go. Let's go back. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love. According to your abundant compassion, blot out my rebellion, completely wash away my guilt, and cleanse me from my sin. All right, let's stop the slide there for a minute. Let's go back to the first one. All right. Notice how I have all three uh, words here highlighted. If you have your pen, I know some of you are taking notes, write these down. In the original Hebrew language, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, these are three different words. Three different words that shows you what sin is. So the word um, rebellion in the original language is pasha. Can you ever say pasha? All right. The word um, guilt in the original language is ava, and the word sin is chatha. There you go. So now you'll know Hebrew. All right. And, and what it shows you is sin is, is deeper than you think it is, that all of us have it, that all of us have it, because we've all wanted to be our own king. So let me, let me tell you about these each real quickly. So rebellion. All right. Here's what rebellion is. Um, <clears throat> sophomore in high school, parent knocks on the, on the door of your bedroom on the, on the eve of trash day. 
parent says to a sophomore in high school. Um, hey, it's your chore to take out the trash. I just want to remind you tomorrow is trash day. Sophomore in high school looks at his mom and says, no, and shuts the door. That's Pasha. That's Pasha. And so you all, y'all, because you know that's not good, right? So sin, rebellion, listen, rebellion is that. But we do that to God. Every one of us have done that to God. Every one of us have done that to God. God whispers to you, hey, will you wake up early tomorrow and spend some time in the scripture? Hey, tomorrow morning, will you wake up and, and let me talk to you? Do you say yes or do you say no? When, when he says, hey, I, no, I, I want you to hang out with those people. No, I want you not to go to that on Friday night. Rebellion, Pasha, is us saying, no, I'm the king. I'm the king of my life, right? Okay, the second word, guilt, do you remember what it was? Ava, Ava. All right. It means the heart shifts. Um, it's another word for sin, and it, it, it's actually a deeper word. Ava is the parent knocks on the door. Hey, um, don't forget, tomorrow's trash day. It's part of your, choice, your chores. Will you take out the trash? And the kid says, absolutely. Anything for you, mom. Goes through the house. I mean, even like puts trash bags into the empty trash cans after. Takes the trash to the street, puts it super straight, comes back in. Mom, is there anything else you'd like me to do? You're like, what's wrong with this? Because beneath the surface, the kid's not doing it because the kid loves mom. The kid's doing it because he wants to ask, now, can I stay up a little bit later to watch the rest of the game? That's a va. That's a va. That's iniquity or it's, in other words, sometimes I do the right things for the wrong reasons. I do. Sometimes I do the right things for the wrong reasons. Still, I've been a Christian for since I was 18 years old, and sometimes I do the right things for the wrong reasons. I need blot out my rebellion, wash away my guilt. I've got so much guilt. I've done, so, I've done things that, so that people will think I'm godly. I've done things so that people will think good of me. I've done things for the wrong reasons at times. I've obeyed God so he'll bless me, not obeying him because I'm so in awe of what he's done for me. In other words, we are really jacked up people. We have been the king over our own lives. And then cleanse me from my sin, chatha. There you go. So rebellion is saying no. Guilt is doing things for the wrong reasons. And sin, chatha, um, it means to miss the mark. So sometimes you've heard people say sin is miss the mark. It's true, but it's only one of the words for sin. It's chatha, and it means to miss the mark. So a parent knocks on the door. Hey, tomorrow's trash day. Don't forget, it's one of your chores. <sighs> Fine. Kid storms out of the room, takes the trash out of the kitchen, drags it on the floor. There's milk on the ground. Doesn't take the upstairs trash out, leaves it. Doesn't take the trash out of his room. Slams the door when he walks outside. Takes one of the trash cans to the street, leaves the other one. Slams the door when he comes back inside. Said, I did it. Fine. Are you happy now? So he took out the trash. But is taking out the trash missed the mark, right? 
So all of us have rebellion, guilt, and sin. Okay, so what about you? Talk about three different kings. Adam and Eve, a king in a garden. They said, God, no, we want to be king. Let's go back to the very first slide. Nebuchadnezzar, a king in Babylon, who said, I want to be king. And Daniel says, because you live that way, God's going to chop you down. But it wasn't just a pagan king named Nebuchadnezzar. Even their favorite king ever, David, messed up his life with Peshach, Jathah, and Avah. And us too, every one of us, have as well. So two ways to live. A king instead of Christ as your king or a king with Christ as your king. So you're supposed to be a, you're supposed to steward what God gave you. He gave you the parents he gave you. He gave you the school you're going to. He gave you everything you have in your life. And you're, you're to be a king over it under him being your king as opposed to you saying, I'm the king of my life. So which way are you living? Don't answer out loud. Just look at it. Which way are you living? Every one of us, the Bible says, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, Adam and Eve, Nebuchadnezzar, David, me, you, all of us at one point in our life have been the first, a king instead of Christ as your king. And so the Old Testament, I told you this is going to help you understand the whole Bible. So Genesis opens, here's a garden, be the king over it. Nah, we want to be the king of everything. Sin enters the world. There's kings that fall from Saul to David to a Babylonian king named Nebuchadnezzar. Every king falls short. Every king falls short. And then there's 400 years of silence after the last book in the Old Testament, Malachi. And then, this is just a little preview for tomorrow night. And then, Matthew, the gospel is where Jesus starts. An account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. This is the first words of the gospels. Son of David, son of Abraham. So what is Matthew 1 saying? Another king is coming. Another king. But this king does everything right. This king is perfect. This king is the one who can forgive all of us for all of the times that we've tried to be the king over our own life. And this king that was announced is King Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We have all tried to be our own king, and some of you are trying to be your own king now, and just like Nebuchadnezzar drove himself insane, you're going to drive yourself insane and miss out on the joy of life if you keep trying to be your own king. Instead of trying to be your own king, you can rejoice that Jesus, the King of kings, came to forgive you for all the times you tried to be your own king. And now you can live as a king over whatever he gives you, but a king with Christ as your king. So tomorrow, you'll hear the good news more about Jesus, the everlasting king who offers you everlasting life. But I want you to sit with the reality that all of us, from Nebuchadnezzar to Adam to David to me to you, We've all fallen short. We've all tried to be the king. And it never is good for you. I want better for you 
It's, never, it's better if he's the king. Will you pray with me? Jesus, help us understand how we continually make a mess of our lives when we are our own kings. Lord, we want to repent and run to you, Jesus, as our king. And so students right now, before we sing, will you just pray to him? Maybe some of you need to apologize to him. Say, God, I've been, I've been, I've been living as my own king. I want you to be my king. Some of you right now want to pray, Jesus, thank you for being my king. You forgave me. You blotted out my sin. Thank you for being my king. Maybe some of you are not yet a Christian and you'll have the courage to, to, to pray something like this. Jesus, if you're real, show me this week so I can make you my king. Your life would be so much sweeter, so much better with Jesus as your king. So spend a moment praying to him now before we sing.